Welcome to episode four, my interview with Robin from Cleveland. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the show. I'm Major, your host for the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where I have conversations with people about their experiences related to the LGBTQ community. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing their experiences. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward conversations from young children. If you're not prepared to have those conversations, turn back now. Today is January 15th, and I'm having a conversation with Robin from Cleveland. Welcome to the show, Robin. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy that we actually got our, our schedules together so that we could yeah, record the interview. That was a lot of ships in the night kind yeah, of yeah. thing. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. It, it happens. Um, I'm actually glad we got together to get the recording uh, done because I don't have any more in the shoot. So I'm trying to release the show every Friday and I don't have one to release next Friday. So if I couldn't record this weekend, I was going to have to figure out something to do. But I'm glad we got our our schedules together so that we record. So I'm just going to ask you uh, to give everyone an overview of um, who you are. Tell us more about you, how you were raised, how you became an LGBT person. Tell us if you would, so that everyone knows where you're coming from, what your sexual identity is or what your gender identity is. And so people can get a mental picture because we're just recording audio. People can't see you. So they don't know who you are, if you're transgender, if you're straight or gay or, or whatever your identity is. So please just give us a little summary of who you are. All right. Well, uh, my name is Robin. I'm a cis uh, lesbian. And I grew up in like a mid upper class. I feel like everybody says they're, they're middle upper class these days. But um, yeah, I grew up in like a mid upper class, a very Catholic family. Uh, we jumped around a lot when I was younger. And then we finally settled down in Cleveland. We've been there for most of most of my life now. Um, but yeah, I was I went to Catholic school. I had to sit through all that good stuff. And then I ended up deciding to study nursing. And my coming out story, I was very fortunate, and it was uh, more or less amicable. I remember struggling with it a lot in high school, and there were moments where you kind of get bullied a little bit, and someone, you know, cracks a joke at you, and you just, it, it's, well, high school's rough. But, um, but yeah, and I remember getting to college, and suddenly oh, the world, like, opened up, and I think it's a lot easier uh, once, you know, you're around other people who are a little bit more open-minded than, say, in a very Catholic high school and after that, like as soon as I came out, there were ups and downs, but it doesn't compare, you know, to, you know, being in the closet was just so much worse. And I didn't even know how, how that felt at the time. So, okay. So you were, as a kid, you grew up in a Catholic home, went to Catholic school, right? Yep. Uh, you went to college and that's where you came out as a lesbian. Yeah. And yeah. I, I knew, I think it was one of those things where you always kind of know, um, like every single gay person that I've talked to is like, I think I always knew, but you know, when you don't have role models in your life like that, I think nowadays the LGBT community is not very well represented, but they are represented in the media and we have more icons who are coming out. And I think that that's very nice because when I was a kid, I was so sheltered. I didn't see any of that. And so coming out was kind of 
a big personal controversy, even though the people that I came out to at school were like, well, yeah, whatever, we don't care. It was a very different world once I got out of high school. So that's where I want to start is I want to go back to what was your earliest experience you can look back at now? You may not have understood it then, but now looking back, you're like, uh, that was probably when I knew <laughs> oh, I was. They're, they're endless. I knew. Yeah. So you can look back and be like, uh, I knew then that that's probably when I like girls. Right. So can you give me that first one you recall? That's probably the I most. The first one I recall was. I think I was in like fifth grade and I'd always been a tomboy. I always had really good guy friends, but never very any close girlfriends. So it was strange for me. I remember sitting across from the desk from this one girl and thinking she was just very pretty. And I wanted to just be re- like, I wanted to be friends with her so badly. And I think at the time, like that's the only kind of love for a person you can fathom. And uh, yeah, I remember just having this like intense need to be her friend. And then you get older and you still have these like friendship crushes. And then they just develop into like really super gay crushes. Yeah. But yeah. I think fifth grade. Okay. So (laughs) you kind of had that, you know, I want to be her friend. Now, what was your first experience as you knew, like, I want to kiss her like I, right? So there's got to be, you know, as a guy, uh, when I was, you know, in school, you know, well before high school, I'm like, ooh, that girl's pretty. I want to kiss her. I want to be her boyfriend kind of thing. When did you start experiencing those thoughts and feelings? So I dated a couple of guys um, from like, you know, when you're in middle school, you date people, quote unquote. And then when you're in high school, you actually kind of have more serious relationships. And I dated men throughout, you know, that experience. And I never remember having that like urge to kiss someone. But when I was in ninth and 10th grade, I was in a very sort of nasty, uh, I guess, abusive friendship with this one girl. Um, but when you're so far in, you're so far attached to this person that you consider your best friend. I remember having these feelings for her. And not really understanding them, not really feeling like it was an okay thing. And then there's that whole other idea of, oh, they're my best friend. So, you know, it's inappropriate. And I remember having a really hard time with that because I didn't feel like I was capable of loving in the conventional way of loving. And that kind of messes with you when you're younger, you know? So she, so you guys, you weren't dating this girl. She was just no, your friend. she was just my best friend, and it was such an emotional, convoluted mess. But that was the first time I remember having any sort of like sexual feelings for a girl. But once I, once I got to college, actually, it was another girl who at the time was my best friend, and we we ended up starting to date. And that was a very, that was a whirlwind. I think it always kind of is the first time you have this ex, like this gay experience. Your friend, you kind of had a crush on your best friend at that time, and this was about tenth grade, right? Yep. Now, did you ever express any feelings towards her or is that just something you kept to yourself at the time? At the t- yeah, at the time, I, I just like I said, I had no role models. So I didn't know it was okay. And I think, you know, actually, no, I think I did say something to her about just being confused. And it was a very like convoluted mess. I really, I think I've like done an effective job of blocking that one out. Yeah, I said something to her and it caused not like a problem because she had a problem with me being gay. I think it was just like the shock of someone saying that to you about you and you're so young, you don't really know what, where you stand on the issue. So, so that was in high school. You were in a Catholic high school. So did you feel while you were in high school, any sort of desire to express yourself as um, an LGBT person? No, I just because I didn't know I identified as that yet. Um, Cause like I said, I was still dating men, but I have always been very much a tomboy and I'm not, I'm a confident person. I, I like to think. Uh, so when I would, I would just do my thing. And I, there, I remember there was one girl in high school who, who did a really good job of 
calling me a man. She would call me a lesbian. All I mean, you know, at the time, like I guess looking back, she's not wrong. But like, um, but still, you know, mean, when you're though. like trying to. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, God, how did she know? But, you know, at the time when you're, like, stifling all these feelings and then someone calls you out for the thing you are, it, it just incites an anger response. And I remember having a lot of moments in high school where the worst side of me might have come out just because you don't know how to handle those, you know, those those feelings at the time. But it not that – but I wasn't out, you know. Like, I wasn't comfortable identifying as a lesbian yet. It was nothing that would even cross your mind um, in that setting. Okay. So I went to public school. Um, mm-hmm. I never went to any sort of religious organizations. You know, uh, my family went growing up, we rarely attended church. My mom, she was raised in Catholic school and she would tell us these horror stories about how the nuns would, uh, you know, punish them. You know, like if they got caught chewing gum, they would stick it on the end of their nose and they'd have to wear it around. And <laughs> my mom was left-handed and so they wouldn't let her use her left hand. I'm also Damn. left-handed. Um, nice yeah. And, uh, I love being left-handed, but they would tie her hand to the desk mm-hmm. and, and make her try her. and write. Yeah. Yep. And force her the same way. Yeah. And so they forced her to write with her right hand. So I'm interested in knowing about your Catholic schooling. Were they, so it wasn't, well, I want to ask anything where I got beat by nuns. Like I'm, not, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's, it's, it was fair. It wasn't so bad. I think sure. what was disciplined then is now abuse and it's all very confusing, but yeah, I'm sure it's different <laughs> from our parents' experiences. Yeah. Right. I remember the wooden spoon. I know how this works, but yeah. no, um, uh, what I want to know though about your schooling is were sex topics covered as far as sexuality at all, or even homosexuality? Did they tell you, you know, being gay was a sin? Were they kind of pushing that on people? I mean, how, I I don't know anything about how, what they teach and how they teach in in Catholic schools. So I'm just interested in learning, like what was kind of the presentation of human sexuality related either at all or just to LGBT people? I, so we have religion classes and for a long time, you just kind of study the Bible and stuff. And then once you get to about a 10th and 11th grade, you start talking about social issues. And I remember we had such a brief unit on homosexuality. And that was strange to me. Like even before I knew who I was and what I was, I'd always had very strong feelings about LGBT rights. I remember sitting there and and in this class where this, you know, old dude is sitting there yelling at us about how it's unnatural and, you know, the goal of marriage is procreation when, you know, your whole life, you know, that's just not how I was raised to view things. Uh, And I remember having such a huge issue with how lightly it was grazed over. And even in like health class and stuff, I think it it was talked about in the sense of like, well, at least you can't get pregnant. Like that was about it. And (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. And I, it's a nice perk, but (laughs) it was very much over. Because what I, what I pictured in my head was, you know, this kind of, dusty old classroom with wooden floors and wooden desks, right? So I'm just telling you what I picture in my head. Okay. You're not wrong. I mean. Yeah. And so you have these old wooden desks, the ones that open up in the front, right? And you keep all your books <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, and then this old uh, Catholic guy walks in with his, you know, the priest with the yep. with the thing on around his neck. I don't know what that's called. And then he pulls yeah. down this chart and he's like, let me tell you about gay people, right? And it's this, you know, gay person with like claws yeah, and like horns, horns, right? And he's got a tail. devil tail he's trying to hide, right? <laughs> and he's holding a book that says, this is the gay agenda, right? Like that's, oh, what, yeah. that's what I picture in my head. I don't know how, it's probably not accurate at all. <laughs> we, no, we had, um, we didn't have priests. We had brothers. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So it was like some, it was a whole like separate institution. Um, but yeah, we had brothers. And I remember there was one kid who was openly out as gay in our year. 
we had one priest and then a bunch of brothers. And I think like every single brother sat down with him and was like, they, it started off as let's have an open dialogue about this. And then it almost always devolved into here's a Bible, read these passages. You'll maybe you'll see the error of your ways. And I like, even back then I thought that was so messed up, you know? Yeah. That's one of the things that we spoke before the show and I was telling you about my experience in college with my anthropology professor. And that was one of oh. the things um, that he pointed out that, uh, which is what made it clear to me that being gay or transgender or any sort of point on the LGBT spectrum, it's not a choice. And uh, he explained it in basically these terms that, first of all, if it is a choice, the best choice is to be bisexual because you double the number of your sexual partners, right? You could, you, right. could, you could have a sexual partner that's either male or female, right? So if you were able to make a choice, the intelligent choice would be to be bisexual. Yeah, they have way more fun, man. Yeah. Uh, and then so... <laughs> Um, and then he was like, people who are LGBT or who are gay, you know, they get assaulted, they get berated, they get harassed, they're told they're going to hell by some religions, they are actually stoned to death in some countries. If you could choose, why would you ever choose to do that? And and you're basically choosing to have yourself punished depending on where you live and what what um, yeah, no, society you live in. We're all just big masochists. Right. Yeah. Like you <laughs> enjoy being punished or harassed or or called, you know, a dyke yeah, or whatever the, the words are. Right. That's, that's the agenda. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, like I said, that's kind of when my uh, eyes were open to all the bad arguments and how bad they were uh, against LGBT people is that they there are no good reasons. I have yet to see a really good reason why we shouldn't let LGBT people have all the same rights. Marriage. It's nice to be a rational person. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and so I haven't really got to hear you know firsthand stories like yours of people who were LGBT in school or anything like that. And so to hear, I actually find it uh, a bit shocking that your friend was out in a Catholic school. And so yeah. did you ever witness any, any harassment or anything like that? Cause if it was a choice, right, the smart choice would be, well, okay, fine. I just won't be gay anymore. Right. And that's what you would think. Um, he, that kid was just, I mean, yeah, I saw him get the crap kicked out of him a lot, which is terrible. And it was, it wasn't just from like the bullies, even his friends, and I think a lot of friends in high school are people that you sat next to in the lunchroom because you didn't want to sit alone. But even his friends would, would really give him grief. And, you know, like looking back now and, and where I am, I, I wish I'd done more. But I just don't think that at the time a lot of us had the tools to do more. And I think he was just so ahead of the rest of us in terms of maturity that that poor kid just got his butt kicked. And it was it was terrible. You know, looking back, I actually had experiences in school uh, where I was kind of a bully to some people, I was picked on as well myself. And I think I was just relieved to not be the person being picked on. And so I would right. uh, I know pick, it too. <laughs> pick on someone else so that it wasn't me being picked on. And um, a few years back, I there was a kid that my brother and I picked on a lot in school, especially because he rode our bus. And we, we had... Oh, the buses were always dangerous. Oh, yeah. man, the buses are brutal. They were brutal, man. But we picked on them on the bus. And I always oh. felt after I had grown up and I would think back about those experiences, I really felt bad. And so one day I, I found him through a mutual friend on Facebook and I, I didn't do it on the public page. I kind of sent him a private message. It was like, Hey, I'm, you know, your friend from way back when we used to ride the bus and my brother and I would pick on you. Uh, I just want to let you know, I'm really sorry for how I acted. And I basically had this big drawn out apology about how I shouldn't have done that. And I really regret and feel bad about all the things that I did. And, 
Um, at the time, my son was being picked on because he is gay. I've told people, my previous guests, um, that my son is gay. He's 15. And he's been bullied for just being him, much less being gay. So at the time, I was kind of experiencing what it was like to have my kid be bullied. And I realized how hurtful I the things that, I, to me at the time, it didn't seem that bad. Um, but looking back, I felt really terrible. So I felt I had to say sorry and let him know that I really regret what I did. And, uh, he forgave me. He said, you know, I understand I've moved on past it since then. And I really appreciate you reaching out and apologizing. It means a lot. And so we didn't stay friends on Facebook or anything. When I told him, I totally understand, you know, not a problem, but I just wanted the opportunity to say sorry. And so it made me feel a lot better that I got the opportunity to apologize for my behavior. But it's, you know what? And sorry goes a long way. Like, that's the one thing. So I'm in, I'm in nursing school now. Like, that's the one thing they say is, you know what? It doesn't, you know, whatever happens is if you apologize at some point, like it, it goes a very long way. And it's a shame that more people don't have the balls to go and do that 20 years after the fact or even, you know, whenever. Well, so, uh, in their impressed. defense, <laughs> in their defense, Crow does taste awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as far as your time in Catholic school, your worst experiences was just the one girl calling you a lesbian or a man and stuff like that. You didn't really experience any sort of physical assaults. You weren't beat up or anything like that because, um, you, were, because you were a lesbian. No. Yeah. All of anything negative that happened to me wasn't directly related to my sexuality. I mean, I had a lot of, I, I don't think that I got beat up. I, it's so bad. Oh God. I'm not, I'm not a very good role model, but like this, this girl who would pick on me, there was a couple times where it devolved into fists and man, girls fight dirty. I didn't know that. I did karate as a child. So like, you know, when you go and you attack someone, you think they're just going to punch and she went for the eyes and it was, Oh God. Oh yeah. They fight dirty. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know, man. Nobody told me. (laughs) And so you're, you're currently out now. Yes. I'm sure you don't walk into a room and go, hello everyone. I'm Robin the lesbian, right? (laughs) Right. One of the things I want to know is when you decided to come out, what made you feel the need that, okay, now's the time I have to come out? What what drove you to, to that point? Um, so I had a whole period of my life, you know, and I, I, I like to think that it was more than just teen angst. I've had a lot of, and I'm pretty open about this, like with, I struggled with a lot of mental illness when I was a kid and as, as a teenager. And once I got to college, I kind of started getting a, more of a handle on it because mom and dad weren't there. You have to get your life together or else you kind of devolve. And I remember sitting down one day and just being like, I have to make these healthy choices. Why would I deny myself who I am? Like, it's just making me more miserable at that point. And I think I was removed enough from my life back home and stuff that I felt comfortable doing so. But even so, like the first time I, the first time I said it in the stairwell of my freshman dorm, and I had uh, two, two guy friends, one's uh, openly bisexual, one's openly gay. Um, and they were like the two first openly, you know, like open LGBT community members that I ever had a really good relationship with. And I remember sitting there in the stairwell and they like, we were all, it's college. So there was some booze involved, but, um, and they would just essentially talk me out of the closet. And as soon as I said it, it was like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders, you know? It was was great. (laughs) So I think the way you expressed it was you were talked out of the closet. If I, if you were telling that story to someone who wasn't as accepting of LGBT people, they could interpret that as they talked you into being gay. Oh yeah. Right. No, it was one of those things where like, you know, it wasn't something that they pulled out of me. Like I approached them and I was like, listen guys, like I got to talk to you about something. And when I say talk me out of the closet, I mean, just, they basically told me their stories and they said, you know, my parents still love me. 
there've been bumps. There's always going to be bumps, but we have a good friend group. It was, it was more of a reassuring kind of quote unquote talking out of the closet, but it was definitely something that I initiated. I don't think anybody has the right to, to do that. To out you. Yeah. I agree. I know a couple of people who have been outed and I, that's just such an abominable personal experience. Like you just can't do that to people. We've already, like I said, we talked before the show and you haven't heard any of the released episodes yet. And so I tell the other people um, that I'm an atheist and I, sometimes I can identify with LGBT people because I'm not out about my atheism, uh, which is why I use a pseudonym on the show. Uh, Major is not my real name. And so I've had experiences where I would tell someone that I was an atheist and please don't say anything because not everyone knows. And then they'll do something on Facebook and say, yeah, they'll, they'll take some sort of religious story and be like, Oh, what do you think about this? You know, you heathen or, you know, I mean, it's not that overt, but to me, it's like, why would you do that, man? I just yeah. told you, please don't tell That's me. not your secret to tell. Exactly. You know? And then, so there was times where I'd message that person behind the scenes and be like, dude, what is your problem? Why would you do that? And so they, they would end up, you know, trying to help me play it off that. Oh, that's nice. You have people who would do that for you. <laughs> or they would just take it down or, or I would be like, I would, I, w- I would play it off. Like, call me whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> that's not what I am, you know, and I would deny it. And, um, you got to hide in plain sight, but yeah. And so I would just say, you know, the best way I found to play it off is be like, you know, you can call me whatever name you want. It doesn't matter to me. That's not what I am. And I don't, I don't, you know, and so that's my best tactic at playing it off because I don't want to be outed yet. And it's not that I'm ashamed of being an atheist. It's that it's hard to have conversations with people, especially the type of conversations I have. There's been times with the people who do know, like family members, where they will not know how to act, you know, if it comes to, you know, we're having a special dinner, like at Thanksgiving and they want to say a prayer and everyone kind of looks at me like, is he going to flip out if we have a prayer kind of thing? Right. So I can identify a little bit with want not people not wanting to out you. And in and, and that one aspect, I can identify with that. Um, maybe not to the level that you have because, you know, atheism isn't as out there as it is as <laughs> LGBT issues. Most of us atheists can can stay pretty well hidden. No, we, but I think it's like, you know, it's like this personal part about yourself. They don't want people to know. You know, I think there's, there's, there's common roots in that. I, I definitely understand that. So again, going back to when you came out, if someone was to say, well, that you weren't gay, those guys talked you into being gay. What would your response be? Because I mean, again, those guys, you were in, you were in the stairwell, they were talking to you and you admitted that you were gay to a person from the outside looking in, especially maybe a conservative or a religious person who is really anti LGBT or at least maybe not anti, but not accepting of it. That would that story would sound like you were talked into being gay, either by the you were influenced by the devil or, you know, evil spirits or whatever, you know, that you were tricked by the gay guys because they wanted, you know, misery loves company or something like that. So if I were to be a person, (laughs) right, if I were to be a person from the outside looking in and saying, well, those guys talked you into being gay, how would you respond to that? What would your I'd say, all right, well, tell that to my ex-girlfriend. And then promptly dismiss myself by saying, I'm going to go worship Satan. But um, <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I've never been confronted with that just because I do live in an area that is accepting. There's not a lot of out people that I know, but they're, they're very accepting when you do say you are out. Um, but if someone were to say like, oh, you were talking to being gay, I'd be like, well, were you talked into being a bigot? You know, I find that it's very, I'm not good at the open dialogue thing myself sometimes. 
I find that the easiest way to make people understand is to bring it down to their level and give it something, you know, that's comprehensible to them. And so I find that yeah, ignorance and bigotry is a pretty easy one. Yeah, um, I, I like those videos where they would ask people if being gay is a choice and they would say <laughs> yes. And then the guy would be like, OK, so when did you choose to be straight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, I love that's my the, go-to response is like, when you, did you choose to be an idiot? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a little abrasive about it. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely not the Socratic method. I understand that. Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but I love the, to see the confusion on people's faces. Like, wait, what do you mean when did I choose to be straight? Right. right? And you can see the gears working in their head. Like, ah, wait, this is a question I didn't really expect. Right. And so uh, those yeah. are, uh, yeah, when I saw I, them, That's what I find. If you flip it back on someone, you know. Because it's easy to ask the first question. It's harder to answer the follow-up, I always find. So if you flip it back on people and you make them come up with their own response for their stance, it's actually a lot harder for them to put it into words exactly what they think. Um, and then once you do that, you kind of have a foot in the door by way of, of educating people. I've had a lot of friends who are, they just don't get it. And I like to think we live in a world where you can coexist with these people anyway. Yeah. But throughout the years, over time, they kind of watch how I've evolved as a gay woman and it makes conversation with them a lot easier when you do kind of have that foot in the door. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like to do when they talk about it's a choice is I use what my anthropology professor used was you can't even choose who your straight uh, heterosexual attractions are. You don't walk into a club when you're looking for a mate or, or, or a person to date or anything like that, you don't go, hmm, who am I going to choose to be most attracted to here, right? right. You just look around the room and when you start talking to someone, it's, an, it's a natural attraction that you feel. You, you immediately are almost always str struck by their beauty and that's what makes you attracted to them. Right. You don't go, hmm, I decide I like her hair color and she is now pretty to me, right? It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not this conscious choice that you make. You just see someone. Well, like, it's not like a panel. You don't just flip on settings. And yeah, stuff. right. And so it's not so this that's conscious. that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can't make this conscious choice of who your heterosexual attractions are, much less deciding whether or not you're going to have heterosexual or homosexual attractions. And that's usually what I try to point out to them is if you can wake up tomorrow I feel really bad because I beat up on this lady all the time. But you remember Mama from uh, The Goonies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. That lady, she's, in my opinion, I'm not attracted to her, right? And so I, and I feel bad. I beat up for her on on all the time because whenever I use an example, I use Mama from The Goonies. But, <laughs> Poor Mama. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know that lady's real name. I always call her Mama. No, right. I don't know if anybody does, but keep them coming. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say to someone, you know, if you can't wake up tomorrow and in your heart desire her in the same way you desire your wife or your girlfriend, right? You can't choose to just wake up and say, okay, now I'm attracted to mama from the Goonies, right? If you can't do that, how do you think it's possible for a LGBT person to wake up and go, you know what? I think I'm going to like girls today. Or you know what? I think I'm going to like guys today. You know, it's not a conscious choice. That's just who they feel inside attracted to in the exact same way you feel attracted to the people you're attracted to. You don't make this conscious choice. And that's usually where I attack it from when I have people, uh, when I have conversations with people about it. And yeah, so, that's a lot more reasonable of a response than I think I've ever given to that one. Like, you know, family holidays and stuff, you're all hanging out and grandma says something and you just kind of 
end up lashing out. Like I've never had a reasonable response, so I'm gonna start using that one. <laughs> yeah, well, good. I'm I'm glad that helped. Like, screw you, Grandma. You're old and yeah, ugly. Yeah, I can't you just know? be like, well, Grandma. Like you, you know, you can't choose if you want turkey or ham. Like I can't help you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why? When did you choose to hate ham, Grandma? Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you never told me your coming out story about you and apple pie. But yeah. Like, so. The next thing I want to move on to is when you do come out, I, I asked, what are your common reactions? And you said a lot of people just kind of say congratulations. But <laughs> but and before you get to what the reactions are, I want to know usually what's the common precursor to you coming out? Does someone ask you, do they go, are you a lesbian or do you? No. And that's because I, I have a very feminine presentation. So yeah. like people wouldn't I think the only people about me that people would guess is like I have a, a lower register of voice. And so that makes dating hard. But, um, you know, you when you're talking to people, I think I'm fortunate enough to live in a, an area where it is safe. And I think that if you are in one of those areas, it's kind of a social responsibility to just try to normalize this as much as possible. So if I'm at a bar and I can I'm just trying to have a conversation with some dude over whatever's on the TV um, and you can kind of feel it get towards he's going to ask for my number. I just kind of always found a way to work it in there and it's all very conversation dependent, but you work it in there and you just kind of throw it out there because I find a lot of times when I do come out to people or I do tell people for the first time, you can see it on their faces. This like, okay, um, so as a straight person, I need to react a certain way so that they know I'm on their side and I accept people and you see them overcompensate for these things. Um, so I find that if I throw it out casually and it's very casual to me, um, it takes the pressure off of another person to kind of have the right response to someone coming out to them. Yeah, well, and and to be honest, uh, looking at it as from the other side, if I were the person, you know, it's one of those things you're like, okay, I want them to know. Right. I still want to be their friend, right? So I don't want them to be worried that I'm going to yeah. be some sort of bigot, right? Because nobody, or at least no reasonable or rational person wants to be, you know, a bigot towards someone they met yeah, for no I good do. reason. You know, because we were friends before and now I found out you're a lesbian. And so now I'm just like, well, if I don't, act a certain way, she's going to think I'm a bigot or that I don't like her, right? So I could understand how you could read it in their faces because you're like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. There's always a reaction. It's great. It's my favorite So they start reeling back. Like, did I ever say a bad word? You know, did I ever, you know... Right. Did I ever say dyke or bad? You know, like, you open up that big response. And I... I'm a very reflective person when it comes to things like that. And I think if you just kind of throw it out there and you move on, it gives the other person kind of a chance to, like, sit back in the conversation and process it before they decide how they want to react to that. And it's been actually incredibly successful for me. Well, that's um, good. That's probably a good approach that I think may work for a lot of people. That's good to hear. Yeah, because if you just, if you if you make a big deal out of it, people are going to feel a lot more inclined to have a big response. Like I remember the first couple times I was coming out, people didn't really know how to react just because like we were young at the time. So no one's ever really had those experiences before. Um, and it made it really awkward for the other person. I was just happy doing my gay thing, but it was weird for them. So I found that if you just throw it out there, it's, it saves the other person's face as well. Yeah. So just act like it's no big deal and they'll act like it's no big deal. Yeah. So I think like, it's like, hey, I really got to tell you something important. You need to have a right. seat it's kind of thing. It's freaking and, secret, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also because you're gonna be I be like, I'm an area. alien and you rip your human right, mask Right. Pull off, off the mask and all of a sudden, you know, ooh, surprise. I just <laughs> yeah. have rainbows everywhere. Right. You know, when you when you're in a safe place, the more you draw attention or this is a personal philosophy, the more you draw attention to how different you are from something, the further away you get from normalizing the thing. And I find that um, pride parades are so great. They're so necessary. But in everyday life, if you're walking around with like a rainbow belt buckle and a cape like flag, it, I think that the further you kind of, you, you have a way of creating a divide, 
um, where people are like, oh, it's the homos and stuff. And I've found that if you just kind of normalize it and you don't be afraid to like walk down the street with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I found that those things have overall made the area that we live in so much more accepting. Like when I first started coming here, you really didn't see a lot of openly gay people. But just over the last few years with the legalization of marriage and stuff, people are just so much more open about it. It's becoming so much more normalized in my area. And you kind of, I feel it's kind of a duty to just do my best to act like this is normal life because for us, it is normal life. So those are normally the reactions you get from people you meet or when you come out to friends. I want to ask about what the reaction was like when you came out to your parents or have you come out to your parents? I have. I have. I remember, oh, this is so bad. I think all most of my coming out stories were alcohol fueled. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Um, I, I told my parents separately. Um, I'm very close with my mom and my dad and I, we had a very rocky relationship, especially when I was younger. Um, but now that I'm kind of more removed, it's gotten better. And I remember being very afraid of my dad's reaction, which is very strange because given what it is now, it, it didn't turn out to be what I expected. And so I remember... I don't know. I was hung over when I told my mom. Um, I was coming back from a New Year's party my freshman year. And again, I just blurted it out. Like I had practiced blurting it out so many times that it just kind of happened. And I, I felt like maybe I should have done a bigger, like baked a cake or something. But I was sitting at the kitchen counter. I just said it. I was like, all right, well, mom, I'm, I'm gay, just so you know, and then moved on. And she kind of she just stopped and she had her back to me and she like put down this pan. It was very dramatic. And she just turned around and she says, my grandkids better be freaking cute. And that's, I was like, okay, well, here we are. And we just like moved on. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it was great. So that and, is, I think about as far as reactions go, uh, especially oh, yeah. since your mom was, was a Catholic. It was very benign. <laughs> that had to be probably the best outcome you could have expected. Right. I was expecting, like I might've like pulled out a suitcase and been like, okay, here we go. Throwing clothes in there. No, it was very benign. Man, um, I think that is hilarious that she wasn't even caring about whether or not you were going to hell, but whether or not your kids were going to be cute. <laughs> yeah. And like, that was the thing. So my mom is very, um, like she was raised in a Catholic family, but uh, we, we stopped going to church once we hit high school. And yeah, she never really has once brought up that my, my soul is damned. I've had people tell me that I'm, my soul is damned. And I, I always think that I'd rather be in Florida than in Cleveland. So hot weather's okay. But she, it was it was not the response I expected. And then my dad, I had heard him growing up cracking jokes, gay jokes and things like that. And I didn't know how he was going to react. And I think so the scary scariest part for me was... I told my mom so much earlier than I told my dad. So trying to have that same like blasé... Uh, way of doing things with someone you're just so scared to tell it was a little more difficult but we were on a cruise and uh, you probably needed some alcohol i'm sure and i yeah there was like a couple whiskeys in my liver somewhere floating around there we were talking i was with my brother and my dad and my brother had known for a long time and i again i just kind of like managed to fumble the words out and he stopped and looked at me and it was like cool so we can talk about chicks now right <laughs> right. And so, and it's right. So it's like the most benign experience anyone could have ever have. But it got kind of weird as I uh, just recently, because I always thought my dad was going to be the more uh, unaccepting one. And my mom just uh, the other a few weeks ago, she cracked this comment where it was like, I know you're going to end up marrying a guy. So it's always very strange. Uh, things never kind of worked out the way I expected them to. So does she so does she think it's a phase still that you're in? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a phase, mom. This is my art. You know, I, I'm not sure what she thinks. But I remember hearing that. And that was, she was so accepting when I did come out that it kind of shocked me. And it made me sad, but I was comfortable enough in myself that I was like, well, screw you, mom. Like, I'm going to do what I want. You know, if 
if people don't start having negative experiences when they come out on this show, uh, it's going to kind of seem pointless to have this show. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Do you want me to like make? I, I'm, I used to act, so like you, I can come up with something real good. You give me no. five minutes in a notepad. No, okay. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. Above, <laughs> above all, I want this show to be honest and and hear true stories. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that uh, you didn't have a falling out with your parents. Uh, it's actually yeah, really I nice was, to hear. I was, I was actually fortunate. really worried about how I would uh, respond when people uh, that I'm interviewing have really traumatic stories to tell and they're getting very emotional. I, I don't know that I'm actually prepared to, to actually have that happen yet because I don't quite know how to respond because you would say something, well, I'm really sorry to hear that, but why would you be sorry? Because it didn't happen to you kind of thing, right? So you never know what the right words are to say when someone is sharing a traumatic experience. And so I just, my goal right now is if I do have a guest on the show who has a really traumatic experience to to share that, I just don't say something totally stupid and ignorant. Uh, is really that's just the bar I'm shooting for now is to be like well you know at least it's in the past kind of thing and dis- yeah you dismissing. can't just like okay but you're here now high five like, yeah <laughs> right so I'm just hoping that I have a non-stupid response really yeah I <laughs> yeah I feel you and sometimes these things just come out you know yeah it's, it's like verbal diarrhea man but it is, it is nice to hear I expected when I started the show that I would have a lot of horror stories about people getting kicked out and stuff like that and it's actually uh, a nice surprise to have people with good experiences to share to maybe make it easier for people to come out because like, well, Hey, maybe not everything's a horror show. Right. I think that's really important. Like most, most people I know, I I do only know one person who had a very traumatic coming out story, but like, yeah, I think that you, because you only really hear the really, really sad ones. And I, and it breaks my heart every time I hear it. And like, I know we've come a long way, but people are still having such a hard time. But when you're only faced like on YouTube and you're only faced with, these terribly negative experiences, it kind of is daunting for a young gay person to feel comfortable doing it. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you've had a, a good amount of positive experiences. I hope that prompts more people. Yeah, me too. I, I actually, uh, I, I'm glad that we're sharing positive stories as well as, as negative experiences because it yeah, it would be, you know, a pretty teary show. I feel like if you only had sad experiences. <laughs> yeah. People would probably turn <laughs> off pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, next. So the other thing I want to know is what would your ideal reaction uh, when you come out to someone, when you tell a guy at the bar or one of your friends that who doesn't know yet that you're a lesbian, what, if you were to like, okay, this is my dream scenario of this person's reaction. When I come out, what do you want that reaction to be? Well, if I'm coming out to a a girl, I'd ideally have them say me too. And then we start making out, but um, <laughs> lesbian high five. Wait, right? Yeah, it's, it's the lesbian face high five. Everybody yeah. knows. You know? Do do, let, do you guys chest bump or anything? Yeah, no, we really don't. We have a whole handshake though, and you, you have to take a test. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't let you do it. And you learn you learn the handshake. You can't be a lesbian unless you pass the test. No, it's yeah, and so that's what's really hard is you have to know one to to kind of sign you up for the test. It's a very nobody knows. It's oh, it's like a voucher system, right? You can't. Yeah, be a no, it's great. You know <laughs> okay. There's a whole secret society. Yeah, nobody right, knows. Okay, about. I got you. No. I, <laughs> but when, I don't know, um, just because I've had so many different kinds of reactions that I don't know which one I like best because you get the people who say congratulations and I don't want to be a jerk. And like, I, I think I wrote it in my, my pre-interview thing where I was like, well, no one's congratulating me for like breathing or doing anything else that I just inherently am. But you can't say that to people's faces because then you're kind of a jerk. Um, yeah, then you become the jerk, right? Right. So, then suddenly they're like, well, the last gay person I knew was kind of a dick. No, right. um, so, but it's so hard. I'm a very sarcastic person, if you couldn't tell. So it's kind of hard for me when you get these reactions, I find funny to not take it and run with it. No, I got you. Sarcasm is my second language. No, and it's the only way I get anything done, really. 
Like when I'm trying to be serious, it's just very morbid and horrible. <laughs> but no, like if I'm talking to someone at the bar and I, you know, when I do casually throw it out there, uh, I've had a lot of, yeah, just like high five and we move on. And then halfway through the night, someone will like comment on the hot girl on the TV. And I'm like, yeah, right on, dude. Nice. <laughs> you know, so I think just my ideal ex- like experience is just no shock and no great congratulations. It's just kind of like, okay, cool. Like this is where we're at and we're simpatico and nothing's changing. Nice. Okay. And now let me flip that around and say, what would be your nightmare? What would be probably the the worst experience you could imagine when you came out to somebody that you would, you dread happens? Like what makes you nervous, right? Like, oh, if I come out to this person, I might get this reaction. So now that I'm so... I'm, I'm just comfortable with where I'm at that I, I don't really fear negative reactions because if you have a problem with someone being gay, then I have a problem with you being in my life. Like I don't have time for, for that kind of thing. When I was first starting to come out, I think my, my worst fear is not someone like beating me up or anything. It's, it's when people just outright deny it. They don't, they don't even acknowledge that like you are like, it's a choice and you're just choosing wrong. Like I had a friend say to me, I, I hate that you're, well, you're just confused or I don't believe being gay is a thing. And to me, that's just so demeaning um, because this is like, I, I'm your friend. I'm, I'm here. I'm right in front of you. And we've been friends. We've been friend, friends for about a year after I told her. And I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like how, what world do you function in where you see me every day? You see me with my girlfriend. Like, how do you think that that's not real? So, so basically, that let me... Let me summarize that experience is what you're saying is they just cover their ears and go, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're, they they pull an gay. ostrich. Yeah. yeah. And they, right. They stick their head in the sand. Yeah. That's to me, that's, that is what's wrong. A lot of times, like nowadays you do get, you do get people who get beat up and that's, it's terrible. But I, I know I'm the kind of person who fights fire with fire, but when you have people who don't even put up a fight, they just outwardly stick their head in the sand. Like that to me is the hardest kind of ignorance to overcome because I cannot have that open dialogue with them. Right. You can't even open a dialogue because they just cover their ears and they go, no, no, right. no, la, 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 la. I would rather get into a yelling match with someone who is willing to at least express like a justification behind their views than a person who just sticks their head in the sand and says, nope, uh, sorry, I'm not listening. Yeah. Going back to the negative experiences, what is you, you shared in the, in the interview, the pre-interview that, um, you had a, a negative experience in high school. Is that, is that the most negative experience you have? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, you get, I used to, I, I was used to date someone in Chicago and, and Chicago is a great city. It's huge. But you know, when you walk down the street and you're getting catcalled and stuff and you, you actually wind up, I was in a bar once, um, with, with the girl I was seeing and someone came up and, and started harassing us. And it was the first time I'd ever been harassed in my adult life. Like, you know, when you get beat up on the school bus, it's, it's cute and funny and you always win. But, um, you know, when you're in a bar and it's this big creepy dude in a city you don't know about, that was probably just the worst because I wasn't so much afraid of, for me, I was mostly afraid for her because she was so new to the whole experience. And I didn't want this to be like, well, we're going to get our asses kicked and then you're going to be straight. You know, like I didn't, I was just very afraid for her. And we managed to diffuse that with minimal violence, but it was, it's still just one of those things where you can't believe that men will still come up to you in the bar and be like, are you sure? Let me like change your mind. That's my favorite response to get, but it's also just terrible when it's in such a creepy, rapey way. Yeah, that I can imagine. Yeah, so it wasn't good. <laughs> you're just a, you're just a girl out with your girlfriend and some guy comes. Yeah, I just wanted like, to have fun. Oh, you just haven't had sex good enough, and so that's why yeah. you're into chicks, right? Yeah, I don't even I, know I don't, how would you respond to that. Like, how would, I can't. There was it wasn't the most kosher resolution to that kind of situation. You know, I, I think the 
at the end of the day, what was important was that I got her out safe and I got her friends and I out safe. Yeah. And we, you know, we did that, but it was a lot of like, you know, you start trying to have a dialogue with this person. I don't believe in jumping to like going nuclear right away. But once I see that a person is just so like closed minded and I find that that, well, you just haven't been with the right guy experience. Like when you have someone who gives that to you, that's very hard to uh, combat without wanting to kick something. And this guy was particularly creepy and wouldn't go away. And it got kind of weird. He started, he grabbed onto uh, her wrist and there was some things got pulled and it was bad, but you know, everybody got out. Okay. Well, it Um, just, it just occurred to me that if you use his logic, right? So you're a lesbian just because you haven't had good enough heterosexual sex. And so that's why, right. (laughs) So if we turn that around and use his argument, it would just be, well, you're not gay because you haven't had good enough gay sex yet. Maybe. Right. I'm like, yeah, you don't even know, man. Like you could be missing out. Right. You could be the most gay dude of all gay dudes. If you just had the right gay (laughs) sex. Right. Yeah. I think I said to him, I I, something about enjoy all your pregnancy scares or something. I don't remember what it was, but like, yeah, that didn't help. (laughs) Well, it was good to hear that you guys got out. Okay. So please (laughs) get, can you tell us about this experience in high school? With the girl who would who would pick on me and stuff. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. yeah it was it was ongoing, and I remember uh, even from like my my freshman year, she was kind of the, one of the mean girls, and I hate using that term, but like that's essentially what she was. Um, I thought all girls were mean girls. Yeah, no, we're the worst. I don't really know why. But this is why it's not a choice because girls kind of suck sometimes, but I'm still gay, so here we are. Yeah, and she would just over like the four years, she would throw these things under the table. I remember um, there was a boy I was dating and it's not that I was particularly into him, but at the time when she started trying to spread some rumor that I was gay or something. And it wasn't that like, it was wrong. It was just like, listen, dude, like I know you want the guy I'm with. And it was, it was actually like a really bad territorial thing more than anything. But when it came to senior prom, she, the weeks leading up to it, there was all kinds of high school drama with her that I don't, honestly, like it's one of those things you look back and you're like, it was the stupidest thing in the world. But we were at prom and she'd stolen my prom date because those were so important at the time. And she called me a man. And I remember it was me and a bunch of my good friends. We were all hanging out in one room and we're all in our dresses. So we're all looking great. She called me a man and kids don't react to things like this. But I, I took her and I threw her up against the wall and I, I put my forearm in her uh, on her trachea. And I said, say it again, say it again. And that's all. That's all that I said, and I've never seen a person look so scared. Um, but ever since then, I had no problems. I didn't see her picking on that other, like the other out boy, um, at all afterwards. But it was just like you know, you don't, you never want to resort to that, you know. Yeah, it, you said here that you felt bad about your reaction. Um, yeah, but, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Well, I it gives cry. it gives that I person. I don't want to use them. Yeah, it gives that person ammo, right? You'd be like, yeah, see how she acts, right? You know, so right. You know, you, yeah, thing. you don't want to be associating that community with with violence. And I think that that's, and I, I I make the same argument for people who are, I support the black lives matter movement. Yeah. Right on. And I think one of the hardest things I understand why they get angry and why a lot of them devolve into Mm -hmm. violence. I understand where they're coming from, but inside I'm just like, man, you're making it so much harder on yourself. Like there's a reason MLK was very iconic. I think that you fight fire with fire. You just get a bigger flame. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. Yep. Um, I know that there's a time and a place for it. I know Malcolm X had his methods and right. some of his methods were and were not effective. And I know MLK, the whole, you know, always be peaceful, I think was much more of a positive outcome because you're not handing them a clip full of ammo to say, see, yeah. this is why we're okay because these people are animals or these people right. are violent. It's easy to vilify right? someone when you have the ammo against them, exactly. whereas if they're just sitting peacefully. You which know. is, which like, I watched some videos about the lunch counter protests 
Um, oh, yeah. During yeah. the civil rights movement where the black men would go into the lunch counters where they weren't allowed to be. And just hang out. And they would just stand there. Well, then you just see people. Those guys were doing nothing but sitting there and these white people would come up behind them and start hitting them in the head. They would be pushing them, dragging them out. Right. And so that just gives you the ammo to be like, see, look how we're treated. Right. And so I, when those protests and stuff devolve into violence, I'm just like, oh man, we're just, you're setting the movement back. And yeah, right. I can, I can imagine as a LGBT person that just gives those people who are anti LGBT, see, look, she attacked me or see, look, she's violent or she called me, you know, some sort of name and it, you're just handing those people ammo for sure and like that's the thing is this like any social issue there's it's such a fine line to walk and there's so many por- polarizing factors that i i have had friends who you know you see they, they'll see someone walking down the street and uh they'll you know with the the rainbow flag or the like who's just uh i'm trying to think of how to phrase it i think that like there's doing your thing which i'm a firm believer in and then there's kind of uh, doing your thing and also naysaying the straight person. And to me, that's just as ineffective as saying that gay people are bad. Uh, I had a, I have had a couple of friends who are like, well, straight people are the worst, this, 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 and, and got mad at me for having straight friends. And I think that's just the dumbest friggin' thing. Like, yeah, you want to yeah. equalize yourself, right? So you need to learn, you have to integrate into this community. Like, that's, you know, it. The, the the majority never integrates into the minority. The minority always integrates to the majority. And I think that we've done a fairly decent job, but when you do get, like, it's just so easy to polarize the issue. You can either go really violent or you can go very anti-straight people. And either way, it comes out with a negative outcome. So that was your negative experience in high school. And you shared a positive experience, which I thought was kind of funny to hear when you actually came out, you kind of just went into a room and, and how did that, <laughs> right? Uh, I, yeah, when I read this, when I read this in your interview, experience anyone could have had. <laughs> yeah, when I read this in your interview, I actually literally LOL. I was just like, oh, that's funny, <laughs> right? So please share that experience when you. Yeah, it was great. After out. I was talking to those guys in the stairwell. And, you were and talked into got, being gay. I got really amped up. I was so excited to say it, you yeah. know, because like once you, you, realize this thing like you're just so excited to be able to say it out loud yeah. and i and we were already such good friends and i burst into the room i think i actually kicked down the door um <laughs> that's, I was that's so how you relive it in your and, head right yeah <laughs> i was I, I kicked down the door and i screamed i like girls and literally not a single person in the room wasn't cheering and it was so great i didn't <laughs> it wasn't one of those nights where people like and then people came up and talked to me about it afterwards they were just like right on let's shotgun a beer. And, and one of my friends, Anna, actually the only other girlfriend of the group who was dating uh, the bisexual guy who, who helped me out. She screamed, Robin, we're going to make out. And, and I was like, maybe not, but thanks. I like the moral support. Yeah. It was just such a good, like, I've never, I, I've never had an experience quite as positive. As that. Well, that's good. I'm glad that that, that story really made me laugh. I thought that was, a yeah, good like, yeah. Every time I tell it, people are like, yeah, it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, <nobody laughs> like that didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I also asked about the most positive experience you had and you share a story about your friend who was deeply religious. Um, she came from a very Republican family and never really had contact with gay people. Right. So that was the story you shared in the pre-interview question. Can you tell us more about what happened and, and how that came about? Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said, I never had a lot of uh, girlfriends growing up, but then I got to college when you're in nursing um, it's, it's literally all women. And that was such like a, a shocking experience. So when I did find this group of girls that I was good friends with, or I was able to click with, it was, you know, suddenly you place so much emphasis on those relationships. And so once I did 
come out. It took me quite a long time to come out to her. And this girl, yeah, she's now, I think she's the president of the Republican club. Yeah. It's very, very religious. Um, yeah. Like goes to church every weekend. She never, she grew up in the country. She never had any contact with gay people. Like I was the first gay person she ever met. And I remember coming out to her and I told her and, uh, and it was another one of those casual, like blase throw it out there thing. And she had no negative reaction. She even helped me out. Like I remember when I was going through, um, my first relationship and all the drama that, that comes with, uh, like she was kind of my go-to person. And then one day, uh, I think it was last year, one of our other mutual friends was talking to her about my being gay. I don't know, even know how that came up, but this religious girl was like, I, yeah, I don't like, I don't know if I believe that it's a thing, but at the same time, I'm not definitively saying yes or no. And I was really offended when I first heard that. I was like, how can you, like, I'm here, I'm, I'm your friend, you've seen me go through this relationship, how can you tell me that's not real? And then I realized it didn't actually, like, she's had these beliefs her whole life, but it never once affected the way that she treated me. And so it's not necessarily a positive experience, it's just kind of, I think it's a good example of, like, you can coexist. It's yeah. possible to coexist with these very clashing beliefs. And I think we've done it quite well. You know, like if we have a topic that we clearly differ on, you know, you can have these open conversations with people and it doesn't devolve into violence and it doesn't devolve into, you know, just blatantly saying, well, you're an idiot and you can't see this. It's just refreshing. And I know that other people can do it. I just haven't seen it yet. You know, well, I, I actually uh, I disagree. I think it's a very good experience because it shows that even if someone who uh, a staunch Republican or conservative or religion or whatever the reason they use to justify not supporting LGBT people, they can still be an example of, you should still treat this person like they deserve to be treated. Yeah. Like, like, then, they're, yeah. like they're a good and person until they show you there. otherwise. I've seen be able to do that. You know, you, you have people who are straight allies and that's amazing. And you have, you know, the bigots who just can't wrap their head around it. But there's somewhere there's like an unspoken middle ground of people that I don't think they're like the unsung heroes in that. Yeah. They, they don't have, get enough credit. Right. And they, they have like, they are just proof that you can in fact coexist without having to convert the other side to your belief system. And I think that once the world figures out how to do that, we're going to have a lot fewer social problems. Right. Doesn't that hurt your gay agenda though? Oh, Oh, I know. And well, we're going to pencil it in. We have a meeting next <laughs> month. Um, but no, we, we've been thinking about this one for a long time. Don't yeah. worry. Nice. Now that you're out and you're comfortable with where you are, you don't feel the need to hide. How do you or how do you think would be a good way for others to connect uh, with the LGBT community who maybe aren't where you are yet? I so I actually it's I'm not like my school has uh, a club and I, I didn't join it. I don't know why. In retrospect, so I, I honestly have not been able to connect with people physically around me. But I think one thing that I didn't realize that I had when I was coming out was you have the entirety of the internet. Um, and I know it sounds silly, like trying to interact with people across this digital you know, medium, but it, it didn't feel normalized to me until I started going on Reddit or YouTube or whatever. You got to go on Tumblr. I guess Tumblr is like a lesbian thing. Or that's what they say. <laughs> like until you go on these things, you don't actually realize there's this whole big world out there that's just like you and is going to accept you and want to get to know you and they want to know your experiences. Um, and as the one of the only gay people in my my close knit friend group, like that's just so refreshing. It's it was actually overwhelming the first time I kind of like really, you know, you dip your toe into Reddit and then and then you kind of like dive head first into the rest of the internet and it's like overwhelming how many people there are and then i'm like well how many of you are just on the street 
and I'm missing you. So, so that's your answer, really? That's your Google it. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like such a like a millennials answer. Like, I'll just you know, put a, type it into Google. Yeah, but just it, Google it. it. Like Come it's, on, it's your nice. Google foo is stronger than mine. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds like such a silly answer, but like honestly, like you have this resource, and there were so many people in the past who didn't have that resource. But the the sooner that you can see in your life that like, yes, this can look like a normal life and this doesn't have to be a big traumatic thing. And you can see other people's experiences where it did get better. You start to feel inherently confident and maybe not where you are right now, but where you'll be. I I never had any role models when I was doing it. So I was like, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, you know? So, yeah. Uh, Well, that's good. I mean, that's a decent answer. That's how I actually got you to be a guest on the show was I was on Reddit and I'm just like, okay, I want to do this podcast. I need guests. Where do I go? Right. There yeah, isn't, there isn't a website to like get like gay guests, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw this and I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Click. I'm like, glad because I was really worried people would be, tell me to, you know, go away. You're, we're not here. No, it's strange. Like you, you hear about like 4chan and like some of the darker sides of Reddit and the internet where people are just like terrible, but then you, you get an overwhelming number of incredibly positive people when it comes to like social issues and, and inflammatory issues. Yeah. And I definitely, I've said this on the previous shows, the Reddit community of our ask transgender transgender um that's where i got my first three guests from. oh yeah i don't know which i, I posted in several subreddits and i don't yeah, know yeah I, I picked you up in r slash actual lesbians actual lesbians right yeah. yeah and you were the only one to respond actually mm. to yeah so uh credit to you because none of the other lesbians in actual well lesbians. we're all lazy that's a bad stereotype too <laughs> we're all just so lazy like they couldn't even be bothered to just like type a couple things on their yeah. keyboard so, so i understand <laughs> well uh thank you for uh picking up <laughs> no problem comment. i got you yeah thank you because you are the first lesbian on our show so yeah share it with all your like guys look at what i did this week yeah so um Thank you for, for picking that up and being outspoken enough to come on the show because without no that, I, I, the show would have ended after episode three. I don't, I don't have anything else in the shoot. So uh, <laughs> hopefully um, I'll get something by the end of the next week. Just keep spam posting in all the Reddits. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to. I actually, I'm going to have to start doing, find a, I wonder if there's an anti LGBT Reddit because I actually want to have conversations like I'm that, having yeah. with you where I, I discuss, I, I, I wanted to have the same discussion, but with someone who is a not not supportive of LGBT people. So if you run into one of those people, yeah, send for sure. them to the show. They don't have to use their real name. I, I will have the same civil discussion I'm having with you right now. Uh, I'm not going to get shouty or call them a bigot or call them names or anything like that. I just want to see where they're coming from and identify maybe if they have a bad argument and why they can't at least, you know, okay, I don't agree with it, but I'm going to treat them like people. Right. And so if you run into people who are, at least willing to have a conversation, send them my way. I'm, I'm more than happy to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll post in, in uh, the subreddit and stuff and see, you know, if I can get more people, because I, I think this is such a fantastic thing. And I think also the fact that, you know, you are a straight ally, like it, it's, it just breaks down all these barriers, you know, and I think that's super important. That's that was, why I did the show in the first place. I yes. thought it was such a very like novel idea. And that was the goal was that I was going to be a straight person trying to integrate and share information about the LGBT community so that it kind of bridges that divide between straight people and, and LGBT people so that, you know, I can I can be an anchor for people who are straight who will be like, okay, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. The host is straight, you know, kind of thing. And they can identify with me, whereas I have a, a LGBT guest who kind of uh, people can identify with that side and so that's kind of where i thought it was a novel idea to have the show and so I yeah hope- i think and i think it's so important because a lot of times 
I've found within within the gay community, it's like you see someone who's a straight ally, and there's oftentimes the reaction is like, well, they just don't know, like they just don't get the experience. I'm like, well, who gives a crap, dude? Like they voted for your rights. Like, yeah, right. And so I just hope it works out as well in real life as it as I saw it in my head. I hope so too. Like this, I think this is such a fantastic idea. Well, please help me get more guests because I only I, have, I, oh, for sure. I only have one more, and after that, I'm out. And so I got to start spam posting or something. <laughs> Um, so the next question I had was, are, are you actively participating in any organized religions? No, I, uh, I, I tried on a lot of different hats for a long time. I, so going to the Catholic school, like I, I had one particular experience that was incredibly moving, um, not necessarily for the religious aspect, but for the relationships I formed. And from there, I tried on the Catholic hat. I actually almost did get confirmed and then quickly dropped that one once I realized what I was doing. I tried the Buddhist thing for a long time. Um, but I, I, I mostly just identify as, as atheist just because I'm a very sciencey person and I have a hard time believing what I can't see. Yeah, I would imagine that um, that's probably a more common experience in people who go to the medical field and, yeah, and, and who know. understand the sciences better. It's amazing, though, um, because I am I'm very interested in trauma and stuff. And so it's amazing how many people have these incredibly spiritual experiences, but they also do these crazy things like put tubes in people's chests and, and watch people dial every day. And for me, it's just, it's a uh, reinforcing of a very nihilistic point of view, but I understand that not everybody's going to have that. And I don't, I'm not intolerant, intolerant towards religious people. I just personally don't. Yeah. And uh, as you an, know? as an atheist, so you identify as an atheist as well. Yeah. And one yeah. of the most frustrating things for me is, you know, the, the people who go on Facebook and on social media and they say, Oh, this person lived. It's a miracle. And then you start to hear more about the story. And there, there were people like working on this person in the medical community, like around the clock for like, it took 24 hours of like tra trauma care to save this person's life. And they're like, Oh, thank God. And they don't say anything about the doctors or the yep. nurses. And I find that so incredibly insensitive. It oh yeah. It's infuriating. A lot of people in the ICU where we're giving them like blood around the clock. And then all of a sudden they get to the step down unit and it's a miracle or it's a work of God. And I'm like, no, it's a work of good medicine. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't pick up a science textbook to read it. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> I want to derail pressure. the conversation into an atheist rant or anything. But, <laughs> like, but uh, I, sense too. That's, that's what we're here. I can imagine how being a nurse that you, if you, when you run into that, it could probably be pretty frustrating. Yeah. It's kind of a thing with jobs sometimes. And then you get some people who are, uh, they do, they do both, you know, and that's, that's always very refreshing. What is something that makes you hopeful about the future as far as you being an LGBT person and, and, and what your future or your kids' future would look like? Uh, you are so going to have gay kids, right? Yeah, isn't right. That, no, that's, that that's the goal is, is you want to pass down the gene. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited because I know that this generation, like you're going to have people of varying beliefs in any generation, but particularly like, you know, the millennials and the youth today are very very open and if not supportive at least just kind of accepting and not uh necessarily hating um and of course like i'm that's a broad generalization but for the most part uh there's a lot of studies that have been published about millennials they're basically saying you know the future generations like we are going to be the generation that normalizes homosexuality and things like that and i think that that's so I, I'm not usually a very hopeful person but that's something that just fills me with so much hope because that's never been seen before in america and to know that, you know, we are that ground level generation uh, is is amazing. I think my kids are going to grow up in a world that looks a little different from from the one we have right now, at least in the LGBT sense. I know that there's a lot of issues that are going to take a little longer. The next question I have is, 
Did you ever need to seek any sort of professional help or counseling from any pro LGBT organizations that made it easier for you to either come out or you didn't really have a negative experience like your parents kicked you out so you needed help finding a place to live or anything like that? But did you have any help specifically from LGBT organizations that you want to help plug on the show? Because that's one of the things I want to do is share more uh, with the audience about organizations that they can go to for help. I've never, I've never sought help from an organization. Um, I've been looking to get more involved, but on, honestly, like, I think I am just truly like the laziest person out there just because it, I haven't been as proactive as I'd like to. And ever since the Trump election, I think that like now I, I kind of have this like duty to, to go and, and at least be more vocal instead of just sitting back. Cause then I'm just contributing to not the problem, but I'm just letting things fall into the background and I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, so I have, I have nothing to plug, but if I did, it would be a good, funny commercial. I can assure you that. Right. But are you aware of any organizations, like you said in the question, like the LGBT? There's, I know that there's like, so um, like with Cleveland Pride, Pride being canceled and everything, I can't, I can't remember. I could have told you on any other day um, what organization. It was just a bunch of people like banded together. Our Pride got canceled earlier this year. I think I have um, it right here. I think I have it right here on the, on the uh, forum. Yeah. And, and people were like, no, screw that, man. And just like went and did it. And I thought that was so amazing. Yeah, no, but it was the LGBT Community Center of Greater Cleveland. Yeah. 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 So. And I, so I've been looking to get in with them. Um, but it's just kind of hard, I like as uh, specifically a nursing student with clinical hours and stuff, it's just so hard to find time to be a human being. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like maybe when I get my degree, if, if they choose to hand me a degree, we'll yeah. see. Okay. So <laughs> what do you know about the community center of greater Cleveland? Nothing. And that's the biggest problem is that like, you know, I had this philosophy for a long time of like, well, I'm just going to do my thing and I don't need to get involved just because like I'm comfortable where I am. But I think like the further I got into it, the more I realized like there's so much work to be done. Um, so now that I'm, I'm kind of on that plane, uh, I've, uh, I, I think I, I need to start diving more into it, but honestly, I'm like the least educated person out there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think I, I think I have a great idea on how you can do more, which is promote the show. I was yeah. Get I, more I, listeners for this show. Uh, more guests would be nice too, so I don't have to end after episode five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are now officially a guest host of the show, mm. and so now you have a personal stake in the show, and it is your obligation to get more listeners and more guests. No, actually, yeah, I have uh there's, there is a club at, at this school that I think actually might be very interested. So I'm going to, I might be uh forwarder and sending them something. <laughs> yeah, please do. I'm, I'm interested in having conversations with as many people as I can. So I'm, I'm interested in learning more for myself and sharing what I learn with other people uh, through the show. So please, uh, I'm more than happy to have as many people who are willing to have a conversation with me if we can get our schedules married up. <laughs> So we're kind of wrapping up now and I want to give um, you the opportunity to plug anything you have. Um, so if, if people wanted to reach out and ask you questions specifically, is there a way they should contact you? Do you have any sort of blogs or anything you do that you want to plug any programs, anything that you're working on? If you have anything you want people to know about, this is your opportunity to plug that. I don't, um, I don't like have any blog If people want to, um, get in touch with me. I do have a separate email. I don't know how, uh, is there like a link or something that we can put that in or, uh, just share the link. And what I'll do is on the, on the straight up gay page, the blog page, I can put the same link in there as well as the show notes, uh, for this show that when I put it on the podcast, there'll be a, a section for show notes and I'll put it in there too. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the other email is, uh, S L T Chang at gmail.com. 
Um, that's like my more personal email. So yeah, if, if people want to get in contact, that's cool. Also, the only thing I would plug is, is like the, uh, subreddits for the LGBT community. Like those are so overwhelmingly positive influences. So give me your top three subreddits for the LGBT. Oh, see my top three subreddit. Uh, some of them get weird. So my number one, obviously is r slash actual lesbians. Don't make the mistake of going to r slash lesbians. I'll tell you that right now. What's that? I mean, if you want to make that mistake, like feel free, but it's not going to be what you think it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh God, no, I'm so bad. And then uh, all my other subreddits that I, I go on aren't even LGBT related. They're like, no, I mean, <gasps> what's, what's the top three LGBT subreddits that you think people should, if they want to know more about your community. Um, oh, I, I mean, I think so. Um, our actual lesbians is for um, both bisexual and um, lesbian women, and then uh, uh, like actual transgenders and stuff like that. And I think there's r slash LGBTQ. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I had a great no, conversation you so with much. you. I learned a lot. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I think this is, I, I can't like reiterate enough how awesome I think this is. Yeah, please. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to plug the crap out of this, man. Like, please do. Please do. I, we're up to two listeners now. And so I hope hey, by oh, the end of the right, week, cool. we can double that, right? Yeah. So both of my listeners out there, thanks, thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for being on the show and, and supporting it. Please share it with your friends and family. Please consider donating or supporting with time and volunteer time any LGBT organizations that you know of. One of my personal favorites is the Trevor Lifeline. Uh, they help people who are in in a crisis uh, and possibly con contemplating suicide who are LGBT. So if you have money to give or time to give, please support the Trevor Lifeline. That's my personal favorite. Remember, you can always email me at major at straightupgaypodcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at SUG Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash straight up gay podcast, or you can just search for straight up gay podcast. You can listen to the show or at least find links to the show. I, the audio isn't posted at straight up gay podcast.com. We're actually switching over. I was using SoundCloud, but I ran out of all the free time already after three episodes. So I, the show is now being uploaded to Pinecast. Uh, so you can always search for Straight Up Gay Podcast on Pinecast for the raw audio that's uploaded. Uh, but we're available on iTunes and Google Play Music. You can just search for Straight Up Gay Podcast, and it should be the first option in the list. And I'll see you guys on Episode 5.
Okay. You know. <laughs> well, I have a really good friend of the show. She's one of the first people who was helping me share the show because I'm using a pseudonym. I can't promote it on my own personal page, so I've asked the kind of my friends to help me promote the show and get more listeners. And uh, my friend, uh, I'm not going to use her name. I don't want to use it on the show, but she's a Buddhist, and she was one of the first Buddhists I ran into. Uh, she's in the mil- friend of mine from the military, so she'll know who oh, she yeah. is when she listens to this episode. She's my only other listener. It's just it's just uh, my previous guest and and her are the only people who have listened, so she'll know who she is. Is she cringy? She's gonna cringe and throw no, something at she, the, she's at the radio. a big no, no. She's a big supporter of the show, and she's t- she's given me good feedback, and she's uh, a really good friend, and so uh, she's fine. <laughs> um, oh, okay. no, you're okay. <clears throat> a Buddhist in the military—that's awesome. I've never. Yeah, well, she was the only Buddhist I've ever met uh, in the military, and so uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, if anything, if I could identify with any religion, it would probably be Buddhism. Because yeah, it's sure. more about inner peace, self-improvement, nonviolence, at least in most versions of Buddhism. And it doesn't require some sort of, you don't have to believe the Buddha was a spiritual being or a god or anything. So I, Buddhism, if I, if I had to identify with any sort of thing, it would be that. Um, but, yeah, like but I think I that, don't. you know, you can like identify with the, the precept to like the, you know, the underlying concept aspects of a religion without identifying and yeah for sure yeah 